0: Is it really true that we need the perfect person or the perfect match with the company? Maybe it's also a good idea to have someone who brings in a new perspective or has a very different background as the people that we still have.
1: We talk about inclusion and equality because there is exclusion and there is inequality. And I think that's important because there is exclusion and inequality every day happening in our behaviors, unconsciously and uh, all of us have some form of bias and i think being aware of that is very important
2: the leadership brief insights and new perspectives on modern leadership for executives high performers and leaders Hello and welcome to a new season of the Leadership Brief. I'm very pleased to welcome new guests and also new co-hosts with this new season. From now on, the podcast will be hosted by Stephanie Playford. Stephanie joined Warthal International as Head of Diversity and Inclusion Advisory in January 2022. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for hosting this podcast.
1: Thank you very much for the kind introduction. I'm really excited to be here today.
2: I am delighted that our kickoff episode is going to be aired on International Women's Day. And on this special day, we have a very special guest, Marita Haas, who will join Stephanie and me to discuss the topic, breaking the bias, getting serious about gender equality in organizations. Dear Marita, welcome. And would you mind introducing yourself briefly?
0: Yeah, thank you for the introduction. And also thank you for the invitation to this podcast. I'm uh, happy to be here and discuss with Stephanie about gender equality and gender equality in organizations. Um, my my background: I have a scientific background, and um, I decided to become a consultant a few years ago. So what I'm actually doing is um, helping organizations to establish gender-sensitive structures and processes, and yeah, become more aware of gender equality in their daily lives.
2: So this is a perfect match for our topic today. And in today's episode, we were going to talk about three major topics or uh, issues. First, uh, we are going to discuss common gender myths, And then we're going to talk about gender equality. And in the end, we'll be discussing a little bit about the gender biases and recruitment. And uh, with that, I'd like to go straight to Stephanie with the first question. What are the common gender myths? What, I, what have you um, experienced? Thank you. In the past? I, it's
1: a very good question. I think um, the list is very long. There are a lot of um, there are a lot of so, so to called uh, gender myths um, that are um, circling around. I think the most common ones are probably um, that women don't want leadership roles. Um that um, still very common in Germany and Austria, um, the typical statement. Um, Geld ist Männersache, men earn the money, women spend it. And of course, um, lately, um, especially after um, the pandemic and um, during Covid, um, that women are better leaders. What I would like to add is that um, if we talk
0: about leadership and leadership roles, it might be that leadership has changed during the last years and that we need a new definition of leadership and leadership roles. So it's not only about um, managing a team, being present all the time, being available. So of course, when we look at the gender distribution in families, we still have more women who take the care responsibilities for children, for elderly people, and we um, see more young people coming and um, deciding on their private and professional life, turning this a little bit around. So we'll also have to think about new leadership roles and um, how to set up good working places and yeah, become more aware of, of this idea. So I don't think that women are the better leaders. I do not either think that men are the better leaders. I think leadership is, has to be defined newly and has to be set up in a, in a new perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's very important. Maybe, um, if I may add here, that it's not about the so-called um, battle of the sexes. Um, it's um it's, uh, in fact, I mean, lately looking at the news, um, I read an article in Forbes where it says, um, what do countries with the best uh, corona response have in common? Uh, woman leadership was the answer. And I think also um, um, President, uh, former President um, Barack Obama said that if more women were put in charge, um, there would be less war and kids would be better taken care of. I think um, actually these statements um, are quite uh, unhelpful because it is just, um, it's it's basically reinforcing the perception that um, women, um, first of all, take better care of, of um, their children, um, which I think is um, is not is not fair or correct, and um, at the same time also that women have a different leadership style. Um, So I think all these leadership styles that are currently promoted, being more empathetic, emotional intelligence, being more cooperative, uh, sustainable leadership, inclusive leadership, these are all, in in fact, these are all skills that can be developed and they can be developed from, from both genders. So I think it's not fair to um, attach these skills and these leadership styles to a gender. It's not helping uh, neither man nor woman. Mm-hmm. We, we need other competences or we
0: need other um, yeah approaches, leadership approaches. Um, and this is when um, when different people come into place and when we have to talk about, okay, how do we want to set up our... Working places for the future. And I'm quite sure that it's not going to be like these strictly organized, what we call masculine organizations, but that we base our work more on cooperation, joint decision making, and things like that.
1: Absolutely, I think that's very important. Maybe before we go a bit, um, before we dig a bit deeper in that uh, topic, because I think that's quite an important topic. Um, Marita, what is your view on um, on the statement "women don't want leadership roles"? That's often something um, women are faced with. That. Um yeah with that statement i hear that a lot so when i work with companies and organizations
0: they often tell me yeah, we, we do not have women in in leadership positions because they don't seem to want these leadership positions uh, first of all i would like to f- to, f- to put the focus on the leaders that are now in place so is it really that women themselves do not self promote them to become a leader or to become a leadership uh, or to get a leadership role so maybe like i would at one point here, um, we often talk about self-promotion. So why don't women self-promote themselves a a bit better or why don't they put much more effort in self-promotion? And I mean, there is a huge market on empowering formats and um, bringing women um, into workshops, seminars or helping them to become leaders, helping them to make their career. But on the whole it's not about the self-promotion it's about promotion in the organization so like who decides who is becoming a leader who decides who is who is uh, leading a team or uh, making a career in the organization
1: great thank you marita i think uh, very good points that you have mentioned here maybe from my side a couple of things i want to add Often it's said that um, when there's conversations about women don't want leadership roles, um, you hear um, statements like women lose ambition, women are less confident, and I think it's, um, looking at it a bit closer, women actually have the same ambitions than, than men, there's, uh, there's not much difference it's often that along the way, or if you look at it at the beginning of a career, women have the same ambitions, but often along the way, um, women get demotivated and they lose that ambition. So I think it's important to look at it and to ask the question, why do women lose these ambitions? Is it because of the structures that are in place? Is it because of... um, the supervisors that, um, that are not um, helping them, that are not promoting them, do they actually need um, supervisors that promote them or can they kind of take care of their own careers? I think that is, these are very important questions. It also says that um, talking about women lack confidence, um, so in, in general looking at it, women do not lack confidence in their abilities. But what is actually true, and I think there's a study from McKinsey, that women lack confidence in, in the system and in the environment. Mm-hmm. So looking at it, um, that looking at the study, um, they found that the corporate culture is twice as important as the individual mindset when it comes to the confidence um, that a woman has into her um, senior role, into her career. And I think it's uh, it's very important. You've mentioned the word, Marita. You've mentioned empowerment and re- who, ha- who is having a responsibility. And whilst I think it's important that everyone is kind of taking care of its own career and has its own responsibility, I think it's also not fair from companies and supervisors um, to place all the responsibility on women or is place all responsibility on these let's say marginalized groups and i think that is very um, that is not fair and that is also very difficult then because if you, if you look at most of the times if you look at meetings um, you still have mainly men sitting around the table um, so I think having uh, one or two women sitting there and then expecting them to lean in to speak up to find space for um, for their voice or to make room for their uh, to be heard, I think it's very um, it's very difficult. It's sometimes even difficult to be able to finish a sentence without getting interrupted. So I think to expect that um, is is also not fair. You also need to be able to kind of uh, have an equal playing field and um, give women the opportunity to have a room to speak, um, to have the opportunity to lean in and enable those structures.
2: And being visible in the organization in in any way. But Marita, do you have like a best practice example or a real life uh, example for this topic?
0: Reminds me of um, scientific research that I would like to um, cite here because the work of um, Elizabeth Kehlen She's a um, professor of leadership at the University of Essex and she did uh, some empirical research and accompanied managers who were told to be gender sensitive in their behavior. And she accompanied them and observed their behavior over, I don't know, um, a couple of months. And um, she also stayed with them in meetings and asked their employees so what is the thing that these managers do differently and why are they called gender sensitive managers and it was the small things that they did so like like you said Stephanie um, providing the possibility in a room in a meeting that everyone has the possibility to speak up that everyone has the possibility to participate in a discussion or in a decision and a very clear commitment to gender equality so like putting gender on your gender, and being aware of it all the time and maybe if you as as a manager as a leader you notice that someone is not treating another person in the team um, in a fair way that you immediately act and and interrupt for example, a discussion and make make it very clear that gender equality and diversity is one of the main things that we have to focus on. So this, I think, this is an interesting guideline also for managers and leaders that um, they have the responsibility and that they can do a lot. In a, on a daily basis, so that they really can provide enough space, so that everyone has the possibility to de- develop. And I say everyone because I don't want this. I, I don't want to have this differentiation of women on the one side and men on the other side, and then. Um, we attribute some very stereotypical ideas of what a man is and what a woman is and how we have to support the the one group and how we do not have to support the other group. So I think this is important in this. Women do not want leadership roles. So it's about the leaders um, to really support the idea that everyone has the right to have a good career and giving a lot of space for that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think so too. If I may say uh, what you just... Uh, what you just said—that put uh, put um, equality or put diversity and inclusion on the daily agenda—I mm-hmm. think um, that's absolutely spot on. So I I always say um, diversity, inclusion, and equity, equality, gender equality um, doesn't—you um, don't get it through Amazon Prime delivery. It's—it's mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's it's, hard work. It's yeah. hard work, exactly. It's hard work. It takes time. It's. Um, Absolutely, and and um, you know, creating this inclusive culture, and as you said, you know, um, get uh, leaders to lead by example. That really takes um, takes for them to a, a chain a shift in their in their thinking and um, thinking about yeah diversity and inclusion um, in in a different in a different way. I think it's uh, it's important to also understand, Pari, that diversity inclusion. It, Gender equality is not just a term, it's it's a mindset, it's a skill. And as you said, it's something we have to kind of practice every day. It's important um, to, to understand not only what inclusion is, but ask ourselves still why do we even talk about, in, um, about inclusion and equality? We talk about inclusion and equality because there is exclusion and there is inequality. And I think that's important because there is exclusion and inequality every day happening in our behaviors, uh, unconsciously. And uh, all of us have some form of bias. And I think being aware of that is very important. It is. Yeah, it is. We all have biases and um,
0: the only thing we can do about this is reflect upon it very oftenly and find some good structures and tools how to avoid them.
2: And maybe I can, I'd I'd like to add uh, a bit of a controversial question or topic. So if we, if we have um, the scientific background and we have like studies and we know what we can do, what, how we should act to fight those gender inequality in a way, why do we still have like a gender pay gap and why do we still are so hesitant in being equal in organizations
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes um that's a question that um, i I really think about it every day (laughs) but first of all it's because we um we put too much focus and too much pressure on the individual so really what we discussed earlier we think that um, for example women should um, become more stronger or should become more aware of how they can force their change. So we really think if we just empower women and if we give them the right tools then they will automatically um, become leaders and they will automatically have a better career and a better payment. But in reality it's about how we structure our organizational processes. So. Um, The most thing I experience in my daily work with companies is that they don't have a focus on gender equality and they are not aware that they could do a lot more and um, for example if they, let's say, let's talk about payment for example, so even if they have very fair payment structures and even if they take care about um, transparent structures they do not notice that they discriminate for example against mothers if they go on maternity leave and then come back one year later because they do not consider their, um, their gender um, their, their pay, the pay gap that um, they do not consider the pay gap uh, as something that the organization has to close in that moment, they so on on the whole in most organizations, um, if parents go on maternity leave or was on paternity leave and um, they come back one or two years later, they earn less than their colleagues at the same positions. And we kind of think, or organizations kind of think that this is normal because the person has been away from the company or um, has not contributed to the company's performance during these years. But then, of course, the gender pay gap, in especially the motherhood pay gap, is getting bigger and bigger over the years. And the women themselves can't close that. It has to be closed by the organization. So this is an example where I think organization could do a lot more. In some research organization, it is still common or it begins um, that they really include all the people who are, for example, on maternity or paternity leave when they increase the salary so that there can't be any gender pay gap during these times.
1: It is a very good point, and I think, um, as organ- you mentioned, you said, organizations can do much more. I think organizations can do much more also for for men. I think a lot of times when we talk about um, gender equality, um, it's men, we completely ignore the perspective of men. And I think it's very important, because, Still, um, if you look at um, if you look at the board, um, if you look at the setup of uh, leadership, senior leadership roles, it's mainly um, it's still mainly men. So I think it's very important to look at the current roles that men are holding, but also the new roles that men are taking on. So the way I look at it, the current roles, I think it's very important for for men to look at the privilege they have, and not only man, but also woman. But for men, it's it's important to look at the privilege of their masculinity, of their skin color, of their able bodies. These are all privileges that um, attach a certain way they're viewed by society. Um, They are viewed in a more trusted way, in a more knowledgeable way, in a more safe way. Um, And I think this is something which one shouldn't be ashamed of or guilty but should make you being aware of this privilege can help you to empower others and not only women but give um, others um, a voice give others more space and i think that is something which is very important i mean i usually I'm, I'm very lucky of um, working in an environment where we have a very inclusive culture and where I have supervisors and a leadership role which is very aware of that. Um, but um, often when when we go to we go to meetings they are mainly, Um, man in meetings and if I go there with my supervisor it's usually the conversation is usually between the clients and my supervisor and I think the the way to go about it you can either kind of say okay because of this masculinity because of the gender and um, it's it's Kind of okay. It's a bit awkward that um, the, the people are not um, not looking at Stephanie or not addressing questions um, directly to Stephanie. Or you can say, okay, how can I change that, right? And um, can I can I ask Stephanie to take over and to answer that question for me? So you basically um, help me and make room for for my voice. So I think that is important for um, for leaders and for managers to be aware of of their role as well and their pri- the privilege that they have. And at the same time, I think, as I said, it's also very important to look at um, the new roles that men have. With new roles, I mean, specifically now after um, COVID and the pandemic, more and more men are taking on paternity, more and more men enjoyed being home and having the time with, with their kids and family time, which before they didn't have. The pandemic almost took them out of this Um, of these structures that they created of being constantly available 24-7, working on weekends, and because they stepped out of that role a little bit and experienced more the family life and the benefits of it, I think there are more and more parents and more and more fathers now who are saying we would like to enjoy this new role more, and I think that also gives women more space to say, you know, okay, fine, there's a shared responsibility, and there's also an opportunity for companies to do more. There are actually quite a lot of companies who are now um, offering parent um, parent leave um, to both genders, and um, specifically approaching men and saying, look, these are the opportunities that we have here, this is what we offer. So I think all these structures about um, parent leave and, and um, pay Uh, but also about flexible working um, time is very important for both genders. Mm -hmm. It's definitely and you've been talking about
0: sharing uh, care responsibilities but also sharing leadership is a good idea how to really distribute gender equally, um, responsibility and management. So it's not about either being a leader or not or either being a family person or not. Both should be possible at the same time. And I worked with a small company that was, maybe this is also interesting, I worked with a small company and there were only men in leading roles. And uh, it was a very traditional company and they thought that people should um, stay with them for 10, 15 years and I really liked it about the company. So they took care about their employees and they didn't want to leave their, the people early. So when they started talking about gender equality, they said, what should we do? I mean, we are all here. We are in our 40s, 50s. We don't want to leave the company and we are just all men. And we see that there are a lot of women in the, in the company who would also like to have a leadership role. But what is the possibility? Is it me? Do I have to leave the company now in order to make some space for women? And so we worked together for, I don't know, half a year. And during this time, they developed a lot of innovative ideas about shield leadership, about um, leadership just for a certain time frame. So there are a lot of people who would like to try to be a supervisor, a manager for one or two years and then go back in their expert role. And so they provided some ideas and then they become aware that even if I have a management role and I had it for, I don't know, 10 years or so, um, that it would be a nice idea to not lead a team, but to focus on, I don't know, the content of my work that I did the last years. So I think this is what organizations can also do. They become more innovative and become more aware of the idea to change the structures.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Marita. I think it's a really good point, and uh, quite similar. So we often get approached by. I have quite a similar experience. We often get approached by clients who who ask us, "Well, how can you, um, how can you create a more inclusive culture? How can you create these flexible structures?" And it's really, it's sometimes it's so easy um, to get it on, as you said before, on the daily agenda. It's uh, it's small things. It's maybe. For example, to consider that women um, who are still most of the time taking care of the children, um, if they have children or even caregivers, um, they w- would for them it would be very difficult to attend meetings late in the afternoon. So it's small things like that. Or trying to give um, everyone in the room a voice, by for example saying, before we start a meeting, everyone has um, two minutes to... Share their input, and so everyone has room and space to talk about um, issues, and their contributions are heard and and valued. Hopefully, so I think there are a lot of things that companies can do, and these are really small things. And as you said, it's um, if um, it's leading by example, and if um, you get the top management to to actively trying to promote diversity, inclusion, gender equality, then it's uh, it's quite uh, quite easy to get these small tips and tricks on the on the agenda and,
2: this, and especially um, now as we are looking on to also recruitment like we have so many biases going into recruitment processes and as they have, a, have an effect on gender equality in the organization as well so now for the next uh, for the last topic of this podcast I'd, I'd still like to talk about or discuss a little bit more about those those um, biases in recruitment. So how can we fight biases in recruitment and how, for example, how important is agenda or inclusive languages in job adverts or something like this?
0: Mm-hmm. So this is a very easy question. <laughs> I've been working in recruiting for a couple of years in recruitment and um, I think there are a lot of things that we can do when we select people or when we talk about candidates for um, for companies. So first of all, um, being aware of biases is important so that we really know, okay, everyone has biases and we um, do judge people, for example, on the so-called primacy effect, so Um, We categorize very quickly when we see a person and we do not only categorize um, oh this is a man or a woman but immediately um, we put them in the box of men or women and all the things that we know about them so far about the two groups but um, what can we do in order to fight the bias? um, is that we include more people in recruitment processes people with different perspectives so it's not only me deciding on if a person fits to the company or not then we can also put down our expectations of um, what is the perfect candidate for for a company because most of the time when you read job ads they like describe a person who doesn't exist. So <laughs> I think there, um, there are a lot of ex- there is a lot of expectation on the perfect employee or, for example, the perfect leader. And of course the whole process needs a lot of reflection, so the self-reflection, did I myself discriminate against anyone in this process, did I maybe overrate a person because of his or her gender, because of his or her behavior, because of the way how he or she looked like, because of the way um, we call it a so of the mini me by so of the idea that I recognized something very similar in a candidate um, like like I, I myself um, experienced. So did I overrate or maybe did I not give myself or the candidate enough time to develop his or her ideas? One thing that we in recruitment also uh, recommend is a strict differentiation between observing and talking to a candidate and then judging, evaluating or reviewing the candidates. So first of all, I'm just there and I get to know the people who apply for a job and only in a later step then I decide about the competences or the candidates um, towards each other. And like I, I talked a lot about the recruitment process now and as you may notice I did not talk about just the job ads because I think this is just a very small part and of course we can put gender inclusive language we have to put gender inclusive language in every job ad but this is not the way um, where the discrimination actually begins it is during the process.
1: Yeah absolutely I would um, go a step further and say executive search is really the driving force behind gender equality. Um, why? Why is that? It's because, um, of course, um, it's about selecting the right candidate. But it actually starts before selecting the candidate. You need to you need to encourage people to apply for the role because before you can even select someone. So if your um, job descriptions, if your job ads, if is written in a way, is um, mainly addressing, um, man is using very masculine language, then of course that could also be a reason why you would not even get those top candidates. Um, and I think that is something which is, which is quite important. If you look at some statistics, then I think um, more than three out of four employees prefer diverse and inclusive companies. Um, They look for companies that have diversity and inclusion strategies in place. So more more and more, um, we realized when we talked to candidates, they actively ask us about the the company's um, corporate culture, about the company corporate values. Do they have diversity and inclusion programs in place? Um, Do they have a diversity and inclusion strategy? Could we have a look at it? So I think it's very important to be aware that these are all um, these are all reasons why people might not even apply for a role, and I think um, you mentioned, uh, Marita, that um, looking sometimes at the profiles, um, they are written in a way that no one could, um, no one could actually fulfil all the key tasks ex- expected, and in that even applies more for women because um, there is actually research that women tend to apply um, for roles um, only if they fulfil at least. Um, I think. 80% of the requirements in the role. So I think um, that is something which is, which is quite important to keep in mind. How do you structure job description? And um, I think the, the inclusive language is, is very important. It's, um, it starts by um, inclusive, um, more inclusive, or gender-neutral titles, and um, so male uh, salesman, For example it starts but it's also different words you would use compassionate passionate committed driven motivated so it's these small things that that also make a difference
0: maybe we could also um, talk about this this idea of the perfect fit so um, in recruitment we always look for the perfect candidates and um, fulfill a certain need perfectly and as soon as we start doing that we the the pool of candidates gets very narrow, so of course this is a um, kind of a contradiction to diversity. So as soon as we talk about Perfect match, perfect fit. And we start building up very homogeneous organizations where always the same people are recruited and the same people are promoted. I think this is also dangerous or this is also important to recognize. So is it really true that we need the perfect person or the perfect match with the company? Maybe it's also a good idea to have someone who brings in a new perspective or has a very... Different background as the people that we still have.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree. I think, and I think more and more, it becomes important to look at transferable skills, to look at soft skills, um, also to consider um, someone's attitude, um, empathy, emotional intelligence. I think these um, skills and um, are becoming more and more important when nowadays, when when finding someone who's, as you said, maybe not the, the perfect, um, perfect fit for the role, but also perfect fit for the, for the company and for the team. I think that is quite important as well. Um, or maybe not call it perfect fit, but find someone who, yeah. um, who would like to, who can enrich this environment with their diversity, Um, or with their um, creativity and with their different way of thinking and I think that's it's quite important not to be underestimated of course I think a lot of focus is lately on recruiting diverse talent Um, I always remind companies and our clients that it's not only about um, attracting top talents and diverse talents but of course also retaining them so have the you know right structures in place an inclusive culture in place because otherwise you spend a lot of money on the recruitment, a lot of money on the onboarding, and it's a waste of time for the candidate and the employer. And in the end, you find out that the place is actually not as diverse and inclusive as you would have hoped.
2: Absolutely, and unfortunately, as we are looking on the time, uh, we have to come to an end. And as a last question to the both of you, I'd like to, like, as today's International Women's Day, What do you think is the most important topic in the next couple of months or in 2022 in terms of gender equality and fighting those issues? Maybe just like a short, short answer now.
0: Mm. I think it's definitely about leadership. So the most important topic is um, that we address this topic of gender equality from a leadership perspective, from a management perspective, and that we start uh, focusing on the organizations and uh, not focusing on the individual women.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephanie,
1: I think leadership plays a really important role, but I think it's also important to look at our role, um, each of us uh, as an as an individual. I think um, we we need to understand that we when we talk about inclusion, that why we talk about inclusion and why do we talk about equality and as as i said before it's because exclusion and inequalities exist in our society and um, exclusion exists every day and i think to be aware of that is very important so to understand that inclusion in order to understand inclusion um, we need to have an honest look at exclusion and our own ways how we exclude people and how we can how we can change that and often often we get asked from clients oh yes diversity inclusion is such a broad mandate and it's so difficult to implement and uh, kind of implement you you can't really implement it anyways but um, to to address those very different issues and i think it's um it's important to understand here that diversity and inclusion is again it's it's a mindset and it's It's everyone has a responsibility to create a healthier, more flexible and um, inclusive environment for everyone to feel welcome, for everyone to feel valued and I think everyone plays a part. Maybe to end uh, or to, uh, to answer your question, what can we do? I think we can do by, by starting. I think a lot of times it's this fear of where to start. Um, there's so much we have to do from inclusive language to um, setting up different uh, strategies to aligning a business strategy to a diversity and inclusion strategy. It's about starting, it's not about having a final perfect end product, but about making the first step stephanie because it's really
0: start from wherever you are and then we will succeed
2: absolutely so yeah let's let's start and thank you both for um, participating and for your insights and your uh, discussion and it was very interesting and i think we have a lot of food for thought now and uh, thanks stephanie thanks marita and thank you for tuning in for this episode of the leadership thank Brief. you
1: very much and happy international Women's day <laughs> thank you
2: thanks Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Leadership Brief. For further information, please contact us via our website and make sure to follow the podcast for more insights about modern leadership.